<laughs> All right, hello. This is Femsplained. Femsplained. It is a podcast. What's that podcast about? My name's Avalon. <laughs> My name's Diana. And this is a podcast where two friends share their insights, interests, and advice with each other from across the country. Across the country? Diana, where are you? I'm in New York. Where are you, Avalon? I'm in Oregon. That sounds lame. Uh, we are both variously interested in nerd stuff, and we would like to talk to that nerd stuff, or about that nerd stuff with you, and with each other. You're going to talk about so, it with me? Yeah, with you. Well, the big thing about nerd culture is there's just too damn much of it, right? So There's so much of it. We have to divide and conquer for our expertise. This is getting violent, oh, uh, and I like that. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so uh, we're we're both interested in different various kinds of uh, topics and culture, and I think we have a lot to share with each other from those different areas. And so that's why we're going to be doing this podcast for sure. Avalon, yay! So Avalon, tell. Me, yes. as if I don't know you already, why you deserve to be doing this podcast. Ugh, I definitely don't deserve to be doing this podcast, especially not with someone answer. as brilliant as you. Um, <laughs> no, okay, so I feel like in terms of culture, I'm a little bit of a dabbler. Um, I'm not overly invested in one particular fandom, but I am spread out across a lot of them. Uh, and I think that that gives me a pretty fun perspective into different kinds of stuff. I'm definitely more of a fantasy gal than a sci-fi gal, but I'm starting to get a little bit more into sci-fi. Got a little bit of LARPing experience, lots of cosplay experience. Um, I like gaming, but I'm not great at it. And yeah, and that's about it. Fantastic. Um, I am really glad that you said that you're not really, um, engulfed in one's like particular fandom because my thing is being exclusively engulfed in fandoms until I've exhausted them to the point where no one wants to talk to me anymore because all I can speak on is a particular topic. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's my extremist way of coming at, um, nerd culture. You know, I would argue though, um, that that is considered the more acceptable way to be involved in nerd culture is that if you're not drowning in the deep end, where's your cred? Finally, I'm acceptable. Yes. I am glad yes. that I could grant you that validation for the first time in your life, right here, right now. The very first time. So, uh, so today, for our very first episode, which I'm so honestly sweaty about, mm -hmm. is uh, <laughs> we're going to talk about Dungeons and Dragons. Dungeons and Dragons? I almost said that, but I definitely did say Dungeons and Dragons. Oh, thank God. <laughs> yeah, that's much better. <laughs> well, great. So you're going to be telling me all about Dungeons and Dragons. You're going to be femsplaining it to me. I am. I can't wait <laughs> to do that. I've been literally thinking about it all day. Hmm. Well, and then just for a little bit of background for me, since I'm such a champion dabbler, I know a little bit, right? Like, I, 
you know, I know, I know some words. So I'm not a total mm-hmm. noob, is what I'm saying. So you should be able to get into more interesting depth with Dungeons and Dragons. Okay, right? okay. So I don't need to like. No, I mean, still talk that. to me like I'm an idiot. But oh, okay, no, good because I that's because <laughs> that's, that's what you're ready to do. Here. All right. Yeah. Great. Fantastic. So, um, for anyone who doesn't know, the basic premise Dungeons and Dragons is a tabletop role playing game where the entire universe is created in a uh, vocal narrative. Uh, the rules are pre-written in a book and a storyteller, one of the people at the table, comes up with the scenarios, the players decide what they want to do, and the dice arbitrate whether or not they are able to do them. It is um, a fantasy world in which we can be whatever we want as far as our imaginations will take us. Talk to me about um, how much prep is going into these different components, these different, I don't know, people that are showing up in your mom's basement. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) My mom's basement is getting a little bit um, bigger these days. It is now an apartment of my own, thank goodness. But it really depends. So you can have as little prep as... The creators of the Dungeons and Dragons games, um, they have pre-written stories from everything to the NPCs to the stats of the enemies, the um, maps of the dungeons, the treasure, the plot, everything. You can literally pluck one of those and do zero prep work of your own whatsoever and follow it as a guideline and just let your players navigate this pre-written world. Or you can be a total psycho like me and you can create entire worlds with calendars and NPCs, cities, a globe, um, religions, and um, you can let them navigate that uh, freely with very little uh, rail to follow or anything on the spectrum in between that uh, there's there's a lot of wiggle room so one thing that really stood out to me was globes does this mean that D&D is exclusive to flat earthers <laughs> I don't want to make any statements on behalf of the creators of Dungeons and Dragons, but I feel like I feel like D and D takes a hardline stance against flat Earth theory. Mm. I'm gonna go out on that limb and risk the lawsuit. That was very alienating, but I appreciate your honesty. Yeah, yeah, I'm here to to alienate people. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so it seems like you've got a preference towards being a storyteller. Is that the case, or would you rather play? What's really crazy about that is uh, I only just started storytelling. Hmm. Uh, Yeah, super new to me. I've done it a couple of times all in the last two years. And um, I was always really afraid to do it because I was afraid of the pressure. Because of the patriarchy. Uh, 
because of the patriarchy. Right. Yeah, I was afraid of that. Also, I I actually did have a little bit of anxiety about about that in a serious way. In that, uh, running a game would mean. Um, me stepping in front of a group of men who have played this game their entire lives as well and telling them my way of doing it. Mm -hmm. And that's a little nerve wracking. How was um, that experience? Well, the first time I ran a game uh, was with all girls and it was, I was still nervous and I held back a lot. Hmm. Everything that I did um, I stuck really hard to pre-written stories, uh, pre-written texts, and I didn't venture too much into my own world. But it gave me a little bit of a confidence boost whenever I did sprinkle something in and their reactions were... Orgasmic. Uh, it was, yeah. And so then... After a while, I, uh, you know, that campaign ended and I had a little time to myself, a lot of time to myself, and I started watching D&D podcasts and D&D Twitch shows and watching other DMs who were making their own worlds and being extraordinarily extra about it. Mm. And I was like, that's what I want to do. That's me. I want to be extraordinarily extra all the time. So I found this new group that I'm playing with now, and they're all new to the game. And I went in it with this mindset of, you know what? They're all new to the game. They also don't know me very well. So if I'm terribly cringy and embarrassing, no loss. So why don't I go in with my wildest uh, aspirations for what I want this game to be. Mm -hmm. And so I did that. I mapped out an entire world. I created countries and um, a political system and history and religion and many, many cities worth of NPCs that they will probably never, ever encounter. And it's been going so much better than uh, I ever felt about being a player character. How did you find this group? <laughs> uh, I went on the local Reddit and said, help, I'm lonely, I need nerds. Mm. Um, and and luckily the one person that messaged me turned out to not be a serial killer and was in fact a nice guy. Isn't that great when it works out that way? Yeah, I love meeting not serial killers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, how big is this group? Um, well, I was really terrified because it was it was supposed to be like eight people Ugh. when we started. Uh, it, it, it's it's dwindled down to a really solid four piece, which is good. I hear that's the that's ideal. Like the, yeah, it, that's the perfect. Yeah, that's the perfect system. How long? Um, do you think a campaign should go for? It should never end. It should go forever. Uh, I know that. So unlike like TV shows, I'm equating it with. Like, would you rather have a perfect miniseries, or would you rather have Dexter? Okay, for Dungeons and Dragons because it's 
you need the players to give a shit about what happens to their their characters. And in the beginning, for at least the first couple sessions, nobody gives a shit about what happens. They'll, they'll all jump right into like the front line of battle and let themselves get killed because they're not there's no investment. They have no feeling for what their characters have been through. Mm. So you want a campaign to be long enough for each character to encounter something that makes them feel attached to the plot of their character. So it can that can be done, I think, in like in the matter of a couple of months and you don't you don't really need to it doesn't need to be like an ongoing thing once the players encounter something that makes them attach to that character the very next like session you could try to kill them and you're gonna see them freak out and that's frankly the best feeling that you can have as a as a DM is sort of is making them get attached to something and then dangling the impermanence of it in front of them oh yeah oh yeah trying to kill it once they care about it I mean it's wrong in every other facet of life don't ever do that to people anywhere else but in D&D do it all the time right I mean they're signing up for that yeah yeah they're willing participants in the misery what do you uh, what do you think gets people to cross that line of investment? Is it literal, real-world man hours spent playing? Or is it an experience they have in the game that they can apply to their real personality? Or just the camaraderie? What do you think makes people get invested? I've never met someone who was able to create a D&D character that's actually <laughs> not them. Sure. In, in some way. Like, sure, I've played half-work barbarian characters because I like to be, you know, someone that's very different than who I am, which is actually a halfling bard. Right. I, it, you know, you try to play this character that's completely opposite to you or very different from you, but you're... You're taking something of yourself and putting it into that character when you create it, no matter what. Whether it's just something you wish you had about yourself, something that's something that you just really like, it doesn't matter. There's something about you in that character. And when, um, when what makes you feel really attached, I think, is when that character that you've now made real in some way. They've interacted with people. They've accomplished things. They've um, made strides. They've grown. Um, and that's why we put these little personal quests, typically, into these games. Something that they have to do that's important to their growth as a character. And once they do that, then all of a sudden... This person has, uh, they've gone through like this coming of age and now they're real. And if you try to kill them after that has happened, 
you're taking away now a piece of that person and that can be really horrifying and i've been on um on the other end of that i've definitely cried uh on the other end of the dm screen because my character was making death saving throws i've definitely cried because my in-game love interest was making death saving throws i've been super invested in these these fictional characters you know in in a in a in the matter of an hour you know you can have people crying in real tears over fictional characters on a on a a screen and i think it's the same thing just stretched out over more time with D&D. Sure. Yeah, I can definitely see that level of attachment, especially given how much care can go into creating your actual character. Um, yeah. I know for me, one of the biggest barriers to entry has been that character creation felt too vulnerable for me. Um, does that make sense? Oh, okay. Well, too vulnerable in in what way like when you were actually like statting out the character or when you were trying to give that character like backstory backstory statting out is fine but the the i i mean i'm always somebody who is very uncomfortable being uh, like sharing my creativity with others um Mm -hmm. just as a kind of closed off person and i distinctly remember thinking that writing a backstory pretending like it had nothing to do with me or having the intentionality that it had nothing to do with me and yet making it cool and yet making it not too cool and then handing that sheet of paper to somebody storytelling like made me want to vomit yeah i i completely get that absolutely and i think i don't know how if you've ever had this experience but once you do get past that barrier and you get that experience back from the story it's hard to go back to making these like two-dimensional characters Mm. however i'm playing pretty exclusively with new players now and um i kind of like that because some of them gave me a lot more in terms of backstory and some of them gave me a lot less and for the ones that gave me less i'm dragging them kicking and screaming to plot so ah uh, yeah they'll learn like one way or the other <laughs> uh, <laughs> that they care about these characters um i feel like there's be getting over being uh, afraid to express something creatively is always going to be scary no matter what i mean i'm afraid to share with people um like silly little costume pieces that i've made and and stupid little trinkets that i put together um never mind an entire living creature that i've thought up in my head but i think it's um you know um how did you ever i don't actually know about this about you do you did you ever um do any like music um like choir things like that no and that is like the thing that i am most 
creatively insecure about is anything that has to do with music because I cannot tolerate witnessing failing at things. And so I have, I have like an obsession with being good at singing, but there was no music program in my high school and I didn't grow up around a church, which is a lot of people's in to music. Um, and I'm, I'm in like a partnership right now with somebody who's very musical and, um, that's been encouraging for me to be a little less stupid about it. But like, like if I am insecure about making a fucking character, I am 1000 times more insecure about musicking publicly. Okay. Well, there's this, there's this thing that, first of all, we're going to, we're going to turn down your self-depreciation. Like that's, I know that this podcast has no goals really, but I've got got some things I feel all right about. All right. <laughs> I, I can't wait <laughs> to hear about them. Um, okay. So, so there's a thing that we, we used to talk about in choir. Um, so if you, if you're insecure about the note you're about to hit and because of that, you hit it super softly when you're not supposed to. You haven't corrected the problem. You've made a second problem. You've made two errors. So oh I feel God. that way about <laughs> D&D. So, instead, so if, you, if you have, which the thing is, except you can actually hit a wrong note. You can't create a wrong character. Your character is perfect no matter what you've done. As long as the stats are done right, mm-hmm. your character is perfect. So... If you're if you're muting that character, if you're if you're not giving them enough backstory, that's your only mistake. Make it wild, make it ridiculous, make it absolutely insane. I've <laughs> player characters that are have forced me to map out multiple realms in a universe, which is not you know I'm not going to complain about that, but it's definitely a lot more work than than you go into a campaign thinking you're going to do, but that's always preferable to them saying, here's my dude. He smashes things with fists and he has a name. You know, you want, you want more, not less. I can totally see how that would not only improve your experience in the game, but also make it easier for, as you had mentioned, as a storyteller, giving that person their own little side journey of discovery. Oh yeah, absolutely. I I mean, that's my favorite. That's one of my favorite parts of doing this is, is those personal quests. So I am obsessed with that. Um, That and making maps. That's my other favorite. What do your maps uh, look like? What's your like formatting approach? Are you a grid paper person? No. Um, well, I mean, I, I, grids are super important for for battle maps, but I, um, I'm really, uh, I'm really obsessed with um, making city maps and world maps. Um, so. I, I do this one method and I'll, I'll share this on the Instagram also. I've shared it on mine. Um, I do this method where I take my idea for a city and I pull out if my enormous dice bag, because I'm addicted to dice, I, 
I can't stop buying them. Um, and I take out, you know, if I need like six different uh, types of shops and I need three different taverns and I need um, four different districts, I'll take different, um, different dies out to correspond to that, take them all uh, over a big piece of grid paper and chuck them onto a page. And I'll make like a rough outline of that, take the corresponding dice and like use them to position where things are in the town. Hmm. And then I'll go into this. There's a website called Incarnate and it's a, with a K instead of a C. Is that a dot com? Yes, okay. it is a dot com. And it's free, which is absurd. I feel like they could definitely charge, but they don't, and they're angels. Um, and they let me make maps. I'm actually going to send you a picture just so you can see it in Discord and oh. react to it. Uh, is that one you've done or one that they this have? This I've done. Okay. And so they have different icons and things, and you can make your maps actually look kind of aesthetically pleasing. And they offer a grid system, so you can make battle maps that way, too. Oh, nice. Um, yeah. So so that's what I use um, because I have no skills with pen and paper. I can't. I just can't. I mean, why um, would you when you have a program like that? That looks great. Yeah, it looks like that I would know. be inside the leaf of a new fantasy novel that I would totally buy. That's the best thing anyone's ever said to me. You're so I'm going <laughs> to live and die by that comment if you don't mind. Um, yeah. Uh, that's that's one I made recently. I mean, I, if I showed you the first one I made, you would not say that. But um, <laughs> there, I, I really want to like send them an email and be like, can you take my money so that you create more icons and Oh, like a premium incarnate. Yeah. Or like I just give them money and they <laughs> make more stuff because sure. they're so good. I <laughs> um do they I don't have know how so, money works? I'm just learning about it. Yeah, I don't know what what is monies? I don't, oh, I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't if know. I I'll, we'll look it, it up. We'll look you know. it up. Um yeah, we'll So, I'm looking at this map because the <laughs> the myriad of listeners are not able to and it looks like you got a couple different options for um, like infrastructure, sort of buildings, um, trees and terrain. Do they have like for the battle maps, do they have maybe like baddies, like monsters that you could put? They, they do have a couple, but they're, they're uh, reserved for like the big ones, the big bads. They have like dragons um, and, and like or cords and stuff mm -hmm. they um don't have um you know uh nearly what's uh usually available so i i use minis typically um which tend to get a good reaction from people i like and and from me Wait, what are minis like mini figures uh uh little plastic dudes oh little dudes all right Little dudes, yeah. And are they accurate um, to what you want them to be, or do you have silly stand-ins? Uh, <laughs> a healthy mix of both, okay. my friend. I so I I do actually have a, 
quite a few now, which is nice, but I, uh, for a while I didn't. So, um, uh, I, I bought a, a, a large collection of Polly Pockets recently. Oh. Um, when I was running low. So, you know, you improvise, you, you use what you have at your disposal. Um, I don't actually know if they were Polly Pockets, some sort of child toy. And, uh, and I, I used those for a particular fight. I dig it. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Marbles. Uh, marbles. But don't marbles kind of get away from you? They do. <laughs> it's not, I'm not saying it went well. Is it like I'm a Temple of that... Doom kind of thing? <laughs> um, that's, oh, that would be so cool. Yeah, I'm really cool. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and just like roll it across yeah. the board and make them dodge it in real time. Mm-hmm. Sure. Mm-hmm. Are... Sure, sure. So we're talking, we're talking a lot about the characters and the creativity, some of the logistics, but let's get down to math. How no. much math okay. are we talking? <laughs> well, okay. Uh, fifth edition has been super kind to all of us for D&D especially. So D&D is definitely not the worst offender in, in the math department of as far as tabletop games are concerned and I'm speaking pointedly at Magic the Gathering mm. which is math the game I did not know uh, that I just thought it was yeah. advanced Yu-Gi-Oh I mean <laughs> I'm sorry <laughs> no I'm fine with that that's fine. I know but someone else might uh, not be that's all I want it to be um no so D&D uh, forget First and second, but even 3.5, the the 3.5 edition had a lot more, the math gets complicated when you have a lot more rules that are stacking on top of each other. So you have various types of damage, various types of armor, multiple feats stacked on top of, you know, multiple classes and skills, and they all start to pile up, and so your... Uh, dice pools get bigger and bigger. Your proficiencies stack things. You start to lose track of how many numbers you are adding up per roll mm-hmm. for any ability. Fifth edition, uh, which has taken, like in my opinion, all of the best from second, three point five, and four. And sort of picked and choose um, what was going to make the game go a little faster as far as combat was concerned. Mm. And reduce the amount of crazy stackables we had to deal with for combat especially. So it's actually not that bad. Um, Me, I don't do math. I especially don't like to do math. In the heat of battle, right. I don't know any warrior that would. So, really, it's... Um, what about a mathlete? You know, I, I'm i proud of mathletes in a conceptual way, but I don't want to be one. Um, I think that doing math under pressure should be, like, an Olympic event. It should be. I would watch. I would not watch it. I'm, I'm lying. I would not watch it. But I respect that, and I would... 
vote for it if there was some sort of election. I think I would get so much empathy anxiety that I would just be watching it and sweating. Yeah. <laughs> and then I would turn it off. <laughs> I like that's about that's about how I feel about math. Um in general. Uh so so it's good. You always have like one math person at, at, at any D and D table. There's just always like the designated math person, ah. and everybody makes quiet eye contact with them every time they roll dice. And the person's like, "Yeah, it's a 17." Um, That's amazing. <laughs> I'm going to tell you a very boring personal story, which is that okay? No, no, I want that. Mm, I need, I need that. My whole family is like obsessed with playing the board game Yahtzee. Are you familiar with Yahtzee? I mean, I am. I am. Please go on. I'm not going to describe the game, but it is pivotal that you are rapidly adding five dice together. That and like hell. I have so much anxiety <laughs> around my grandfather, who is obsessed with adding it for you, saying the sum before I do. And so the idea of being comfortable with letting someone else add my dice for me sounds, I mean, it sounds like a utopia. If I could have somebody in my life that I make eye contact with and they add my dice, it would have made all of my family gatherings a lot less stressful. Yeah, I don't know what I would do without that person. <sighs> um, because I'm, I, especially like from my end, like I'm juggling like a thousand different facts I made up, mm -hmm. so I guess I can't really call them facts. I'm juggling like a thousand different Lies. ridiculous <laughs> fantasies um, on a sheet of paper, and then people are rolling dice and shouting out random numbers, and I'm blank staring at them, which doesn't make me look very good or credible. Uh, and so, so it's it's really nice to always have that person at the table that's like quick and snappy with it and just like has that and I don't know why there's only ever just one at the table but that, that seems to be like a a consistent grouping but they're not shitty about it they're not like it's 12 oh no oh my I, god if I got a if I got a scent of that attitude at my table you know how fast I kick that person out gone let me snarky about math but what about cheating Here. ooh ooh could, I've known some could D &D this person it's be bought. real sad. What was that? Could this person be bought? Could the math person be bought? Mm. Mm. What I've found with D and D cheaters, uh huh, is they do a, they they do the dice the dice roll and hide oh. thing where they like drop the dice and then they like quickly grab it and then they lie about what the dice said and then everybody that's so uh, obvious pretends. Yeah, it's super it's super obvious. Everybody knows, everybody sees it. And then what we do as a group is that we nod and go with what they said the role was and then afterwards we all go, "Wow, that's really pathetic that they're lying about a fake universe in a fake world in a fake fantasy game." Whoa. And then that's pretty lie. harsh. Yeah. But you don't call them it, out. It's really cutthroat. No, because why? It's 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 Dungeons and Dragons. It's not, you know, Congress. We don't have to. We don't have to have a, a, a big call out about about them lying. It's more like, wow, that's sad. All right, so they have to lie about being successful at 
you know, fire breathing. Let's let's let them have it. Yeah. I guess. You know. Well, that's really understanding. I, Very open minded. Uh, you know, I try to, I try to be a better person in D and D than I am in real life. Oh, so are they probably? Imagine mm-hmm. what they're doing in real life. These liars. Uh, <laughs> I try not to, frankly. I think um, that that is probably something that you bring to it—a strength that you bring to it as a woman. Is my my compassion, your compassion, your liars? empathy, and your sense of perspective? Yeah, you know, the perspective thing is something that I've only been able to have so much as a as a DM. Because hmm. as a player, I was super bad at it. I have definitely been in real life conflict with our friend Mike because we disagreed about how to diplomatically handle a situation in a role playing game. So I need more. On more than one occasion. No, actually. but I need more information. <laughs> okay. So <laughs> so We've been so upset with each other in character over how to resolve conflict. And this is, this was in a game that only lasted, I think, like five or six sessions. It was a very short uh, lived D&D campaign. And um, we, I don't remember the specifics anymore because it has been so long. But I remember it ended with us both, we were both arrested. We were both in a prison and had spent six months in a prison together. And we were told to like narrate like what had happened in our six months in prison. And we could just not (laughs) think of anything besides we fight over why we ended up in prison and whose fault it was. And we were so upset with each other because we both blamed one another's characters for the situation uh, that we had arrived in. It was real. It was so real that, like, I needed to not see him for a little while. Did you ever move past it fully? You know, like... (laughs) Not fully. Like, I, you know, it's been a really long time, like three years. So maybe it's a little better now. As you're talking about it, though, like, what's your blood pressure doing? It's, I'm doing a real shifty thing right now that I wish you could see where, like, I'm not looking at the, at the screen of my computer because I feel like if I saw his name pop up <laughs> on Facebook, I would have to message him and be like, hey, so remember the prison? It's your fault. You know, like, I I feel that cropping back up a little bit. Um, well, I have to tell you, with minimal context, in my heart, I know it was his fault. <laughs> <laughs> you know that he's going to listen to this, and I'm going to get like seven paragraphs on why it was my fault. But here's the thing. I'm so excited. Are you? Wait. Bring it back, you know? Yeah. Just build a whole game off of that. Like really work through it. And Mike can come for me too because I'm the one trolling. Yeah. (laughs) 
I can't wait. I can't wait. Or, or mm-hmm. I think the worst, the worst option is that he listens to this and does not pick up on the fact that this is referencing our in-game conflict, and that would be heartbreaking to me. Oh, he would know because you've said his full name several times. <laughs> I actually didn't say his full name, but now that it's been said, I'm really... (laughs) If I say it two more times, he's going to show up here. Oh my god, I forgot that that's how that works. You forgot how to summon Beetlejuice? I forgot how to summon my... Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I I forgot that it works by the same laws. It's true. Um, Um, Alright, so, sounds like you're spending a good bit of time on being a storyteller, and that that probably takes up more of your civilian time than just being a player. How many hours a week are we talking? Oh. Wow, it's real sad. (laughs) So, no, no, I... (laughs) I really am upset to have to tell you this. So, let me walk you through my day today. Okay. My day is a normal normal work day. And then I'm going to walk you through mine. (laughs) Yeah, I can't wait... (laughs) So I really actually want that. So, okay. So I woke up today at four o'clock in the morning. I start work at one o'clock in the afternoon. Wait, on so purpose or at, from insomnia? Like from insomnia. Okay, right. Yeah. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna make this into something. It's not. So I woke up at 4am because I'm a mess uh, of a person. I walk my dog. I feed my cat. I feed my dog. And then I sit down on the couch, and I take out my absurd binder, and I start just randomly writing down notes and looking over notes from past campaigns and past uh, sessions, and starting to, like, reorganize. Then I go back to sleep. I wake back up and start making more NPCs, to just because just I feel like, eh... 600 people in this world isn't enough. I need to have more. Sure. Whatever. Yeah. So then I get in the car and I put on the playlist that I've specifically designed for the upcoming boss battle that they're definitely, probably, maybe going to encounter. I don't know, guys. It's up to you. Wait, hold on. Um, pause. Do you play the playlist while they're actually doing it or just for inspiration? Oh, no, I play the playlist while they're actually I doing it. I love that. Like, Mood setting? Have, I've never seen that before. Oh, yeah, I'm pretty intense. So I have different, like, atmospheric backgrounds <gasps> that, you based know what? on where they are. I'm sold. Yeah. A little bit of ambiance, that's all I need. Come sit at my table. There's I, I, several times uh, one person is always like, I'm sorry, did you plan this? Because this music is getting me really sweaty right now. And that's my favorite thing to hear. Um, so I put on the playlist in the car for, uh, for the upcoming boss battle that they will maybe be encountering if they choose to. Um, and I just run scenarios in my head over like, if they fail in this way, if they succeed in this way, if they do this instead of that if they figure this out instead of um, whatever else and I just run I just run different versions of how it's gonna go to the music that I that that makes me feel it uh, and then I get to work and then I'm responsible for human lives 
for a couple of hours. You're a neurosurgeon. You know what? Yeah. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Uh, that and you're, good. you're still playing that same playlist in the operating room. Yeah. <laughs> it's real fucking intense in there. All the nurses hate me. <laughs> they're, they're like, do we have to? That fucking crescendo <laughs> it always gets me every time I'm trying to suture. So I do my job for for about four hours, and then I take a lunch where I just hop on, um, like, fifth edition character creator on my phone and just run different monsters. And and just, just because. Yeah. Because, you know, I don't know. I, I, it gives me inspiration, I guess. And then I go back to work. Hop back in the car, same thing, running scenarios, running um, ideas through in my head. And then when I get home, anything that came up in my head while I was brainstorming, I write down. And um, basically just vomit it onto a page. Um, and then in the morning when I inevitably can't sleep, I take all of that vomit and organize it into something, I'm not going to say coherent, but, you know, more uh, digestible. You know, I'm sure that it's coherent. Obsessive, perhaps, but coherent, also perhaps. The one thing I'm most concerned about is at no point today did you seem to have eaten. I forgot to eat today. All day? No, I ate at, uh, when I took my dinner at work at around 5... 30 today I ate but you know I <laughs> and I'm not blaming D&D for this Dungeons and Dragons has nothing to do with my poor life choices uh, has nothing to do with my terrible eating habits my bad sleeping habits all of the above are just are pure unadulterated Diana um, but you're being constructive with it yeah, you're really making yeah, right. lemonade out of a lot of unhealthy lifestyle choices. <laughs> I'm glad you didn't say lemons, because you know what? Lemons get a bad rap. Oh, yeah, you lemons. eat them! I Do you know them. that to this day, I meet strangers, and as a topic of conversation sometimes, if there's a lemon nearby, I'll say, I used to have this fucking friend that would just eat lemon rinds, but just the rind, right? Just the rind. Just the yeah, rind. The fruit, yeah. So I would weird. say I would say they would eat lemons, and they would look at me funny, and they'd be like, "Yeah, I know someone who used to eat lemons. They would suck on them, right? Pour a little sugar on it." And I'd be like, "No, no, no, no. Just <laughs> no. the rind." And then we would all sort of like dry heave together, and then we would all feel a little closer at your expense. Well, that's fair. Uh, I'm also now having a small panic attack because people. I've, I've, I've erased that fact from my life. Like, I no longer let people see that, that lemon rind eating side of me. How many, like, do you, uh, do you buy them? Like, are they in your house right now? Yeah, yeah, I buy them and I, and I, I get them at restaurants and I sometimes put them in like a plastic bag. Wait, so you steal can... them from restaurants? No. I, no, that would be crazy. I mean, they're free, right? <laughs> Right. So wait. Yeah. Okay. So you're about to go to a restaurant. You're walking out the door. You're late to go to a restaurant. Yeah. This restaurant's definitely going to have lemons. Yeah. Do you go back and get a bag? No, I'm not that crazy. Come on. Is it because you know there's already a bag in your purse? 
yeah, there's usually a bag in my purse. Um, and and it's not necessary. Like, you just ask them for a to-go box for your lemons. How many lemons <laughs> do you need to be taking to request a to-go box? I mean, I've never... I've never had a problem, but I'm I'm gonna say that like I've taken just one lemon slice before in a box. In like you know you, those little dressing cups. But you had to ask for that. That server had to yeah. make an extra trip for that. Hey, look. Are you tipping I extra? Tip. I t- I tip. I do a minimum twenty percent every time. I'm a good tipper. I understand. I understand the world and its hardships. Wow. You need to take a long, hard look in the mirror. I try so hard to avoid doing that. You need to do um, it. And you need to say regular... you need to say to yourself, Diana, can I afford a lemon? Uh, like monetarily or like morally? <laughs> maybe, maybe both. Psychologically. <laughs> Definitely not. Whatever it takes. Definitely not. All right. The psychological damage from all the judgment I get. About my lemon eating habits is really bad. Yeah. I mean, I tell everyone. I have two stories that I tell people when I'm trying to make small talk related to other people's eating habits. One is you and the lemons. And the other one is that girl I went to college with, and I'm sure I told you this story too, that would only eat things that were beige. (laughs) Yes. And I was obsessed. Every day, she would come to me. She would meet me at the table with a tray, five glasses of milk. One bowl of ranch, one plate of french fries, perhaps a slice of white pizza, and I would just watch and feel angry. (laughs) Just angry that it was all the same color. That's not even like... I don't know. Anyway. Milk. Oh, God. But you know, I had a moment recently where I was telling someone that story, and I was like, holy shit, that happened... Not to me, in front of me, maybe 10 years ago. And I'm the one still talking about it. Like, maybe I'm the one with the problem. Maybe I'm the one with the beige stories, you know? I don't think so. I think that you're valid because, it, you know what, like, I'm sure. It was offensive. Just like me and my lemon-eating habits are my own story. Like, I've definitely inflicted that upon other people because once you've watch someone eat a lemon rind you know you're involved now you are you know you know the story yeah you know the truth it's like secondhand smoke it's the negative externalities of your horrible choices it's exactly like that do you have any more i have more questions i totally have more questions about dnd but i'm gonna try to i'm gonna try to triage them did you like that that was a medical term for you yeah, no, that, that related to my life. It made me feel included and important. Shit, I have some really good questions. So just answer them okay. quickly. Who's your okay. favorite character of your own that you have played? Myself. With magic powers. In what world? The world. The the one that we live in now, today. What was the conflict? Um, we had magic powers and we had to uh, overthrow a drug ring. All right. Was your favorite NPC you've made? I'm currently crying over her right now. Her name is Laroque, and she is a superstar. She's a she's a soldier and captain of the guard. 
and um, she's she makes her own swords. She's amazing. What is the most unique thing about her? Um, the most unique. What would thing you put on her, her OK Cupid profile? Oh God, uh, uh, she had her father assassinated. I would put that in my OK Cupid profile. I don't know about you, but like I would if that were true. Sure. Which I love my dad. I'm not, you know, that's not a thing. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Just so everyone knows, not not having my father assassinated. What about her is true, but you would not put in her OK Cupid profile? Oh, damn. What a, uh, she really enjoys poetry. Why wouldn't you put that? Because it's too vulnerable for an OK Cupid oh, profile. I relate to you that. You need to keep OK Cupid a little, a little aloof. It's not tender. Reserved. It's OK Cupid. Aloof. You're looking for real relationships, maybe. Are you? I mean, but you could be. You could be. It's true. But you're ju- you've <laughs> just given up. Her Tinder profile is just her lifting really heavy things over her head uh, with a threatening set of emoticons. I think. And that works for for her. All right. I'm digging it. Mm -hmm. Okay. So if you were a storyteller and you witnessed that prison drama bullshit, how would you (laughs) intervene or would you intervene? I would not intervene at all. I would would, uh, calmly remind everybody to be civil if it got too out of hand. But otherwise, I would just let the emotions fly. Let them get let them get all heated and 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 upset. What if you sense like that the other players at the table were bored because it wouldn't stop? Um, that always that does happen sometimes. <laughs> you can tell. Um, and I, uh, as a storyteller, my job is not to stop the other two from engaging, but to then just literally ignore them myself and turn my focus to the person who what if they're talking over you really loud oh well that that's that's never okay (laughs) no that's never that's never cool Uh, in any scenario i don't even care if you're you know well i apologize fighting or not no that was (laughs) that was really alarming well you know sound the alarm gross (laughs) all right all right so I am asking you, I've got a friend named Shmavalon who would love mm-hmm. to start playing a game in, in their own community. What would your advice be for them to find that? Um, to find a community to play with? Sure. Um, I, you know, the Reddit thing worked for me. I'm not going to recommend it. It was definitely a, uh, a crapshoot, but. I mean, it worked really well for me. I would say, take all your friends that are into any anything. Shmavalon has no friends. That you have take Shmavalons. Yeah. Uh, uh, friends, because she has them. Her name is Shmavalon, and she sounds wonderful. All right. So I'm going to tell her to gather up like four or five of her friends. Tell them fuck you we're playing dungeons and dragons and roll a die to see who is gonna have to be the storyteller ah interesting and just do it just make it happen just do it i like it 
you would not recommend going to a local gaming store and trying to make conversation with the guy that works behind the counter and ask about a game. That was recommended to me, and I did that. And um, first of all, your local gaming store is going to have a ton of information for you about Magic the Gathering. Yes. Because that's like the big hot money maker right now, which is great. It's awesome. Uh, But finding Dungeons & Dragons games that take place at those gaming stores is not super common. You might see flyers up. Sure. Um, people like seeking a cleric, seeking a dungeon master, seeking a warrior, whatever their party might be missing. Again, you might find your new circle of best friends that way, or you could find your new murderers that way. It's really hit or miss. So I don't want to alienate people. <laughs> okay. But what I would say, if I felt confident that no one was going to be offended, is that I totally would not expect to go into that kind of a space and have anyone take me seriously. Or, you know, not be trying to have sex. Oh, yeah. No, that's going to happen. Well, you know, I mean, that's going to happen in life. But, like... Exactly. There's almost... My sense of walking into stores like that is almost like... I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't. I, yeah, I don't no, want to generalize. Yeah, it's uncomfortable. Yeah. It's not nice. It, it can be. Yeah. Um. I. The gaming store by me though is like a paradise. One, it smells great. What? Which is I know it smells great and not like rotting human flesh. Um. It smells awesome. There. Well, first of all, there are gays running the place, so they. Oh my god. We're already. We're already in the lead. We're already coming out on top it's a really friendly atmosphere there's uh light like like natural light light or like lights no like light bulbs all right that's still better pictures above your head that that brighten could you imagine if there was natural light though um (laughs) that would be like the sun (laughs) (laughs) like actual ultraviolet no i can't actually imagine that i don't know what we look like under that (laughs) Um, but, uh, there's a working bathroom. Uh, Does it smell like man pee? No. I don't believe like, you. Like cleaning I don't detergents. believe you. It's, I'm telling you. Um, and it didn't look at all like there was a camera in there. So um, they were nice enough and discreet enough to hide it. Yeah. Which, for you know me, what? I mean, that's an That's class. Yeah. There actually, there was a a bathroom camera found in my middle school bathroom. I'm not shocked. All right. I mean, not based on where you grew up, just because of middle school. I mean, I put it there. All right. (laughs) Uh, So, so the, there's, I've, I've been to the full range of like gaming stores from like the ones that are owned by that one guy who's super eccentric, eccentric and is just a collector and basically is just using a store as an excuse to have all of this stuff around him or to be alive Uh, or to be alive. The very stereotypical, um, sweaty, musky cave in which we all go to die. 
uh, sort of gaming store. Sure. And then the uh, nice, clean environment where you actually would would not mind sitting down and playing a three-hour uh, gaming session. With queer and, owners. Uh, yeah, oh yeah. My so God. There's, there's a little bit of everything out there. You got to do some shopping around, I think. I think you should plug um, that place. I really should. Uh, they are called The Geekery and Astoria Queens. And they're the bomb. They're uh, my one uh, chagrin is that they stopped selling paints just in time for me to have money to buy paints. So, you know. Sure. Help. Help me. <laughs> um, it's my... My one well, dying if you're cry. buying paints, that sounds like a whole nother episode that we need to talk about. That's another. That's another thing, thing. Yeah, and that's entirely. the thing that I'm gonna have more opinions about. Not in terms Opinion. of being informed, but in terms of saying there are better cultures out there. There are better <laughs> nerd cultures out there to give your money to and your time, your precious time to. Oh my god. Save the heat, Avalon. Save it. For All right. Another but episode. I know I know it's wrapping up and I can feel it, but I just have I have like a two-part important question. Okay, hit me with One. That. In terms of basic D&D races and classes, what am I? Oh, damn. In real life. Okay. Yeah, you're you're a high elf first of all. Oh. And that is your race. Without question. Really? All right. Yep. And, and, ooh, uh, I think, I feel like you're, I feel like you're a ranger. I mean, I'm going to take it. I'm off, yeah. off air. I'm going to make you explain it. Well, you're surrounded by animals, like, literally all the time. All and right. That's like so, like, being an thing. animal hoarder should not be a predictor. <laughs> For my what? Vocation? What do you call that? Class? Class. All right. I've been out of it for a while. Would you not like to have, like, Dr. James Arlo following <sighs> you around and helping you complete missions? But Would he's, not, he's like not like a forest animal in a ranger sense. He's like a... Say the word. But his... his he, spe uh, he speaks D &D. words. A, what is he? Just like... the. Just like there's a and d version of Avalon, there's a and d version of Dr. James Arlo where he's a dire wolf. Oh my god, you're breaking my heart. You know he died, right? <laughs> oh god. I'm just kidding. I'm so sorry. I'm just oh kidding. Oh my god! Oh my god! <laughs> no, he's, he's like really alive. <laughs> he just lives with my mom. <laughs> I just went through so many I know, I know. Feelings. I didn't let you sit with it for too long because uh, I felt bad. But you let, you let me have it. You let me take it oh god i hate you a little right now. all right part b <sighs> okay part b what would it take for you to in any way and i'm not actually going to be involved but to just insert a character inspired by me or named after me into your current game done and Absolutely. what would they what would it be and can they be a monster <laughs> Yeah, no, they're going to be an enemy, okay. and they're probably going to appear soon, uh, by by any estimation that I can make. And I will, uh, I'll let you know how she dies, uh, if, if she if dies. If she dies. If 
she dies, and that's a big if. And if she kills any player characters, I'll I'll let you know. Oh my god, because that would be pretty huge. I think I really want to know. Uh, I don't I don't need to be involved. I just want to know. No, I'll tell you after, so that you don't have to have any any of that stress on your plate. You know, I don't want you to feel responsible for their lives or anything. No, I will be delighted if there is some pretty serious havoc. Yeah, that's my number one is causing extreme. Can Jim be involved? Havoc. Well, yeah, because he's going to be the dire wolf. You're familiar. So. Familiar. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I was. I mean, I was really fishing for that term. Okay, good, good. Sorry, I, it took me a while, but I got it. All right, so, like, now that you have demonstrated a ton of D&D knowledge for me, what, qu- yeah. what questions do you have for me about D&D? <laughs> My questions for you are, why aren't you playing it right now? Uh, why aren't we playing it right now? Uh, and how do I get you to play D&D really soon like how do i how do i make this happen faster so i am so committed to playing um soon if only because i really think that my partner would enjoy it and i want to like usher him into it um i thought about running my own game just for the sake of being around it kind of like you suggested in the schmavalon hypothetical but then i think i had another creative project that came up and it like genuinely started to feel like too much of a time commitment uh to run a game and then i kind of made a friend who said that he would invite me to his next game but i don't actually know how soon that will be so i'm kind of i'm closer than i've ever been but i'm still in limbo but I would totally play remotely if that made sense. I don't know if it does. Uh, it does. Um, okay. So one, don't run as your first, like, jumping full into it. Yeah. Um, I have, like, three semi-games under my belt. But it's also been, I don't know how long. Yeah. Yeah, I would. I would play first. Two, don't let Francis run a game. I won't. And I don't think he uh, wants to. Good. Okay. I, I, <laughs> I mean, I think he'd be good at it, but like he has, he, he doesn't know anything. Although he did, He's he, gonna need he did okay also. in the mansplain minute. Did all right. He did. He did such a good job. Um, he's going to love it the most. He's going to really love it. Um, and and my other, I lost count. I was counting my points, oh, and I. Um, it I, was I how are you going to get me to do it? How are we going to do and, it? And then how are you going to get me to do it? Okay, so the remote thing actually works. Um, Discord's uh, voice chat, video chat works really well, and also there are several other like online tools like D and D Beyond that would let you have your dice roller be visible to me so like you could jump in on a game that i'm running and you could be there and i could see your roles in real time on the screen and you would be video chatting with the rest of the people at the table i'm just saying it's very possible we could make it happen i would totally do it but i do worry that it would feel like disruptive or incongruous or like the the vibe wouldn't be the same. I don't know. I am aggressively against <laughs> all those feelings. Okay. 
I, <laughs> I am violently opposed to your feelings of discomfort, and I, I would, I would want to try that anyway. Okay. Um, I would even be willing to run like a one shot game and just have us do it that way. All right. All right, and then I'm going to make you tell me all of your thoughts about it. Okay, so before we close up the podcast, we would like to present to you Francis with our Mansplain Minute. Every episode, we will, with no other context besides the basic premise, give him one minute to explain the topic to us as if we know nothing. Okay, Francis, for your first Mansplain Minute, the topic is Dungeons and Dragons. Alright, so Dungeons and Dragons is sort of like, it started, it's a board game, and it is sort of like the precursor to video games in a lot of ways, because what you had was, prior to the video game era, you had people sort of making up their own adventures, and you had a dungeon master, and I know when my brothers had it, they used graph paper pretty extensively, um, and you could buy little metal figurines, and so those were sort of your, um, your avatar, so to speak. But it was, yeah, it's basically one person sort of lays out this intricate plot and everybody sort of has roles. There is a dice um, that dictates how much damage you'll do when you throw it. And yeah, it had a real big influence, I think, on on modern video game culture. Um, and it's, uh, you know, it's, it's become very popular in 80s nostalgia. And... I don't know what else. There's not much else to say. It's, a t- it's, the, t- it's the original tabletop game. Um, yeah, that's a minute.